Yes. I don't know where. Who practiced that? Was it you? Or was it? You see me, you see my heart. Yeah, that's it, right? But yeah, he. No, I thought, for some reason, I thought we had that. That's why I didn't do it. I thought we did that with him. And it must have got lost somewhere in the mish, in the mish. All right. Oh, then he needs to hear in his head, though. So that'll be... Who am I to choose? Who am I to choose? 
<laughs> All right. Deontay, you should be Gucci. He's getting his cord. We're going to do our sound check on our mics very quickly. Whoa. Who was popping like that? It, it's because you're, yeah, because you're playing it to your tone. I strung through it. Check, check. Check, check. So I'm gonna. So we're gonna sound check you guys on the stage first, okay? So, uh, Serena, talking to your mic. Talk, keep talking. Can you hear yourself if you stand over here? Okay, Tay. Hello. Want to come step over here? Go ahead. Hello. Always, Lord. Can you hear yourself in the stage? Keep going one more time. Jesus is Lord. Uh, Brennan? Uh, talking to your mic? Check, check, check. Talking, talking, talking. Check, 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 check. Can I hear it on my right side? That's that? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, my right ear is better. Check, mm -hmm. check, check, check. It is. Check, 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 check. I like it. Can you hear? I can hear. Perfect. Uh, Ella? Check, check. Check one, two. Check. Check, check one, two, three, four. I, I think that's pretty good. I can hear my. I think I can hear myself. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't got you playing out there, so you should be good. So, cool, cool. Uh, Evan, you want to see if you can hear yourself through your monitor? Tell us where to go, and we'll follow you. Hello. Uh, hello? See, this chord's being weird now. We got, got another one. There. You want to switch it out? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Here we go. I'm about to say, I know we had another one.
stage. So we're gonna go over, yes, thank you. Yes, all righty. So we're gonna go over, just proud of the father quickly. Doesn't have to be perfect, but it's just for Evan to get the key. And then I'll sound check you guys out here. Actually, yeah, let's do that. Never mind, never mind. Can we, can we sound check on Wonder, since you know that pretty well? And then, and then we'll go over your, I just want to get the sound check in the house first, and then we'll go over on Wonder. Cool.
Check, check, check. Good morning, New Hope Community Church. Sorry about the delay. Somehow something happened. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Things were messed up this morning. I had no clue what was going on, but we figured it out. So we are here. But it doesn't matter because we are on God's time, and that time does not stop. So if we can all stand and get ready to praise our Father this morning. Um, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful just for just spending the time with my family for the holidays, and I hope you guys did so also. So I hope you guys had a, a great Christmas and just had some time to just relax and enjoy your day with the people that you love. So we can just bow our heads and get ready to step into what God has for us today. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I just thank you so much for what you're going to do in this building. And I know we're going to have some problems with the sound and stuff this morning, Lord, but you are here. <laughs> you are here, Lord, and you have done so many things in our lives, Lord, that we can't even explain. But we thank you. We thank you for everything, Lord. So, Father, I ask that you just open our eyes right now so that we can see you and seek you, Lord. Father, clear our minds and allow us to just think about you today, Lord. Father, we may be going through some things. We may be struggling. Some of us may be having a hard time just with the holidays and maybe not even just being with the people they wanted to, Lord. Father, let them have some peace and healing today, Lord. Let them realize that you are our, you are our Savior and our healer. You are our closest friend. So, Lord, build us up today as we get ready to worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.
Praise God. Thank you, worship team. We're going to go ahead and get my microphone on, I think. I don't control the sound. Everybody always yells at me. They're like, we can't hear you on the mic. I'm like, I don't turn it on or off. So from now on, from now on, here's what we're going to do. When you can't hear me, you're going to turn that way and say, we can't hear him. At least you'd be yelling at the wrong, right people. Hey, welcome to New Hope. So glad to see you guys here. Um, so thankful for our worship team and so thankful for you. Thank you for family here. We're going to take today's offering. So if I could have the ushers come forward, please. You know, I, we get to sit here in service and a lot of what has been built up here was because of people who have sowed seed before we were ever here. Before there was ever a, a New Hope Church building, there was New Hope Christian Fellowship meeting in Janet's garage. That was the first charter in her garage, simply was New Hope Christian Fellowship. And a group of people gave and sowed and believed God. And then they came together with another group that met in a living room. And those people give and sowed, they came. They believed God, that God wanted to do something better. They came together, they rented a high school auditorium. Then rented some office space and then one day they they bought this building and a lot of those people that that gave and sowed into what is today New Hope Community Church they're they're not here anymore but I'm so thankful that they they gave so that we could come here and so that we could enjoy the things that 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 they worked for the things that they gave with you in mind not knowing saying you know what we're going to give and we're going to believe that God's going to bless this. There's a, a passage in the, in the message translation, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. It's a familiar passage. It sounds a little bit different here. It says, the most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. And so our, the wallet that we have, and when we give, it's like a bag of seeds, but you know, just like a farmer puts a, uh, seeds in the ground and they hope for a harvest of corn and wheat and tomatoes and whatever else they planted, we're not going after a harvest of uh, corn and wheat and tomatoes. We're going after a harvest of transformed lives. Amen. We're looking for people with, to have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we're, that's what you invest in. That's what you give in and your, your giving produces that harvest. So I'm going to pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for those who have sowed before we were ever here so that we could be here. Lord, and I thank you that through this sowing, Lord, it's going to produce a harvest of saved and transformed lives. 
Lord, so we pray for those people out there who, who, who are lost, who don't even know about this church, but they're going to know and they're going to hear the word and their lives are going to be changed. Lord, and I thank you that we get to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So my message for you this morning is simply this, I am a winner. Why don't you go ahead and just say that out loud so you can get used to saying it for the new year. Say, I am a winner. You are a winner, amen? You're going to be a winner this year. This is your winning season. Let me go ahead and pray for this message. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we get to turn the calendar on a new year. We get to leave the, the struggles and the hurts, the pains, the failures. We get to leave them in the past. Lord, and we look forward to the things that you have for us. Your word says that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. And, and your word also said that, that you have good plans for us, plans for a hope and a future plans of good and not of evil, Lord. So we stand on your word, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that great things are going to happen in this new year. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 So in less than 13 hours, this year will be no more. 2023 is done. Some people are happy. And I hope that you'll come tonight and bring in the new year with us from, uh, it'll start at 9 p.m. to 12 o'clock, and we're going to have a midnight brunch after. We're going to bring, if you've never brought a New Year's in at church, um, you know, it's just, it starts your New Year's just right on the right note. It's a, it's a great thing to do, and uh, we're going to do it New Hope style, so it's definitely going to be different than anything you've ever seen before, I promise you that, but um, a new year, I, I like New Year's Day 
That's actually one of my favorite holidays. I know that's kind of weird. Most people are, are happy for Thanksgiving or Christmas or their birthday or whatever, but I like New Year's Day because you're, you're kind of, the, you know, you, the holidays are past and the new year brings new opportunity. The new year is an opportunity for you to redefine your priorities. Ask yourself last year, with what you did with your time, does it truly reflect what is important? What is truly important to you? Or did you get distracted doing a bunch of nonsense or a bunch of things that other people want you to do? Jesus uh, made it really easy for us. He said that if you put the kingdom first and His righteousness, then everything else will be added to you. So in other words, you put the kingdom first as your main priority, then everything else in your life will fall into place. If something else in the kingdom of God was your priority, then that's probably why things got out of whack. So ask yourself, what I did last year, did I truly focus on those things that were important to me? The new year is also an opportunity to refine your purpose. Ask yourself, am I truly doing what God called me to do? Have I identified the, the, the dominant gift that, that God has placed in me, and am I using that for God's glory? Am I being an impact uh, where I am at with, with, with the gift, the gift mix that God has placed in me? You know, the Bible says that, that God knew you in your mother's womb, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that He knitted you together with a unique mix of, of gifts and talents that no one else has and no one else will ever have. Are you using your gifts and talents? Are you moving in your life's purpose? You need to ask yourself that. And also, a new year is an opportunity to redefine your, your life's vision. Do you have a God-sized vision for your life? And, and, and in the past year, are you moving forward to that vision? Or did you have a vision from a long time ago and, and God has kind of brought some clarity and your vision has changed? Is it, is it time to redefine the vision that God has for your life. And I understand that, you know, those things, these are big questions. And, and they're not going to be easily answered. You need to get some time alone with the Lord. You need to get out a, a pen and a paper. You need to begin praying. And you need to really examine these things. Be, but because these questions, they're too important not to have an answer for. They're, they're too important not to have an answer for because as this 2023, this last year goes by, I'm reminded that time is our most important asset. What you do with your time will determine your life. And, and a lot of times we, we look at um, inequality, inequality in the system. You know, some people are are born in, in wealthy families. Some people are born in very dysfunctional families. Some people are born in, you know, prosperous areas. Some people are, are born in areas that are like war zones, right? There, you know, some people are tall. Some people are short, right? There's, there, there's different inequalities. But when it comes to time, 
the playing field is level. We all have the same amount of time. A black person and a white person have the same amount of time. An Asian person and a, and a Hispanic person have the same amount of time. A, a homeless man and a billionaire, they have the same amount of time. They have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. They spend their time very differently and they get different results. Somebody who's very physically fit and somebody who's very out of shape, they have the same amount of time. A person who attends church every Sunday makes it a priority, and a person who attends church once a year have the same amount of time. A person who makes time to pray every day and and, and read the Bible every day, and a person who never reads their Bible, they have the same amount of time, but how they spend their time determines how their life goes, how their, their year will go. And, and I know that peop- we have a saying, right, that, that time is money. People say time is money. And I understand where they're coming from, but time is way more important than money. You can, you can have a good year and you can make a whole bunch of money and make up for, you know, a, a, bunch, a whole bunch of years that you didn't make any money. You can hit one year and just and be good. But once you spend time, you never get the time back. I've seen very rich men die with lots of money in the bank, but there's nothing that they can do to buy more time. I, I got to be, um, well, I, I got to know, I didn't know him like super well, but, but got to have dinner over his house and stuff. And uh, there was a very, very wealthy man. I mean, very very wealthy, um, and he had got diagnosed with this very rare lung disease, and he had more money than what he knew to do with, and he had enough money to fly around to the best clinics and see the best doctors, and he had the money to get all the experimental drug treatments that were out there, but ultimately... When it was his time, it was his time. He had all the money in the world, but he couldn't buy more time. He, he, he ran out of time, and he died with lots of houses, lots of uh, real estate, a, a, a big successful business, but he couldn't buy more time. The Bible says it's appointed for man once to die, and then comes the judgment. That means that we have a span of time called a lifetime. And what we do with that span of time determines my forever. It is appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. In the book of Psalms, the writer asks God to to teach him to number his days so that he can live with a heart of wisdom. Lord, teach me to number my days so that, so that I can live with a heart of wisdom, so that I can live wise. In other words, um, help me to understand that, that my time is, is limited. I don't, I, I don't have forever, so, so help me to not waste my time. Help me to not do foolish things with my time. Help me to not waste my life in, in trivial pursuits. Help me to, to become wise so that I can live my life in a way that, that glorifies the one who gave me life. 
the Apostle Paul had a very interesting way that he looked at, at his lifetime. And we could say that he was probably the most effective missionary of the early church. Most people think that he died in his early 60s. And we know that he didn't get saved till after at least he was 30. And in that amount of time, he was able to go to unreached people groups, start churches, raise up leaders, start an entire movement. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So he was very effective with his life. So I think that it would uh, behoove us to look at his life and try to adopt the same kind of of mindset. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to be reading verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. Now, as you're turning there and while you go there, just to give you a little context, Right? The, the letter of 1 Corinthians was, was written to a church in the city of Corinth, which would have been a big, major metropolitan city at that time. And they had um, events that were, we would kind of think, very similar to the Olympics. But they had the, the sporting events that would happen yearly, and, and these were like a huge deal. And... They were so violent that a lot of people didn't survive. They had a lot of combat sports. They had boxing. They had wrestling. They had sort of a, I guess, a, an old uh, mix of like what we would consider a mixed martial arts, um, that, that it was kind of just like an anything goes. And a lot of times guys would get killed and they wouldn't even make it through these games. But for those who competed and for those who won in the games, these people were like huge celebrities at that time. Like people really looked up to them and, and they were looked at as like the greatest of society because they were the athletes in these games. So when uh, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to them, he's, he's taking something that they would have been very familiar with something that would have been a big part of their culture, which was uh, these games and the athletes that compete in them. And he wants to take it from the natural, taking it from something that they would clearly understand, but he wants to lift it up in the spiritual realm so that they can understand that there's something that's much greater than what they were competing for. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, verse 24, if you're there, say amen. amen. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So he compares life to a race. Our life is, is similar to a race in the sense that it has a starting point, right? Every race has the line where you start at. For us, it would be the day that we were born. That's the day that we entered into the human race. And so we, we, we start on this race and then, 
every race has an end point. It has a finish line, and that's the place where uh, we die. That, that, that is our race. So our lifetime is, is like a race, and you're like, well, I, I'm not running anywhere. Like, I don't like to run. I'm not going to run, so I'm not really, like, in the race. But whether you want to or not, you're in the race because for everyone, time keeps ticking. It keeps moving on. It keeps moving forward, and, and whether you like it or not, time moves on, and you're moving closer and closer to the finish line. So you're in the race, and he says, all run in the race. However, there are those people who are in the race that run a little bit differently. They run as people who are going to, to, to win the race. I ran, I ran a bunch of 5Ks this past, uh, this past summer, and you go through different stages when you run, and in the beginning when you run, it's like, well, I'm just going to see if I can make it. I just want to be able to run this run and not stop. So if I can just get to the end, that is a win. And you're, you're just, you know, you're just starting to run. So if you're in your first race, you know, just getting to the finish line, regardless to where you finish, it's, you know, it's good. You're like, I, I want to, but there's a different mentality. There's some people that come there and they're like, I'm going to win this thing. And so you, you get in more and more runs and I'm doing more and more runs and you start to get it in your mind that, you know what? Maybe before the summer's over, I'm going to try to win one of these things. You start getting more in, 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 in the head of the pack, and, and you're going, and you start finding some smaller runs, and you start coming in towards the beginning, and you're like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm winning one. I'm going in this. I'm going in this with the mind state that I'm just not going to finish. I'm going in this with the mind state that I'm going to win this race. I'm going to win it. And so, you know, we came to the last 5K of the year, November 11th. There's a guy named Jim Skull that has an organization called Outdoor Immersion. And I'm like, all right, I, I got a chance here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. And so I'm running, I'm running, and I'm in the lead. I'm in the, all of a sudden, I take off from the pack, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I'm actually in the front, you know? I'm like, whoa, there's nobody in front of me, man. It, you know, so, so I'm going, I'm going, and the next thing I know, there's like two dudes, and they're like booking, like trying to catch up with me. And they, they, they kind of just barely get in front of me. And then at, at the mile and a half mark, there was a place to get water. And so they got a little bit past me, and they stop, and they're drinking water. I'm like, thanks. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't want no water. And I'm like, and I just like take off. I'm like, I'm going to win, right? And so I start running and I see like they noticed like the expectation was, okay, we're stopping. You need to stop too. Like, no, I don't need to stop. So I'm, I'm trying to get my head, my lead back. And so I saw them. They saw me like I saw their eyes get big when I took off. And so they started running too and I'm, and I'm going and I'm like, I'm going to win this race. Next thing you know, here comes Trey Marshall <laughs> running like I don't even know. Like, I'm like, 
where did you come from? And he's running like total full speed, and like by this time, like I'm gasping because, you know, I, I'm trying to outrun these other dudes, and he just comes like flying, like rah, like just taking off like full speed, like I can see it in his face and everything. And I'm like, man. But that's, that's how you want to run your race. That's how you want to run your race of life. That's how we should all live. That's the mind state that, that, that we should go on, that, 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 that I see the end. I know that there's an end coming, and, and as I see the end, my, my lungs might hurt a little bit, and my heart might be beating pretty hard, and my knees might hurt a little bit, but I'm going to push through it all, and I might have took some hits, and I might have experienced some pain, but, but, but I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to lay down because I came here to win. I came here to win, so I'm going to run my race like that. I'm going to run my race like one who is going to win the prize. That's how we're supposed to live. Do we have any winners in the house today? Amen. He said, run like one who's going to win the prize. Only one person wins the prize. There's only one first place. Run like that person who makes it their aim that, you know what, I am going to win first place. I'm going to live my life like that, and I'm going to run that hard in my life. Verse 25, it says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now, what does it mean to be temperate in all things? Think about this. What does it take to be a champion athlete? That's what it means to be temperate. It means that we live an extremely disciplined lifestyle. Think about if you were going to win, you wanted to win the Mr. Olympia competition. It's kind of on my mind because I happened to hear a podcast with the guy who was Mr. Olympia now. And what would you do? You're going to, okay, well, I'm going to win the Mr. Olympia. So I'm going to make sure that I'm in the gym. I'm going to make sure that I'm working out. I'm making sure that I'm hitting my, my weak points, sometimes doing exercises that, that, that you hate or you're going to the gym when you don't feel like it. But week in, week out, you're there. You're going on, on, a, on a daily basis. You're making it your focus. Your diet is disciplined, right? You're not going to win the Mr. Olympia eating Big Macs and Ding Dongs, right? And, and cheese curls, right? That's not going to get your physique where you want it to be. So, so even though if you like that stuff, even if you're a person that says, you know what, I like Big Macs, I like Whoppers, whatever, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to deny your flesh. You're not going to have, you know, eat all the fudge rounds that you have, right? Because, because you know that, that, that if, you, if you give in to those fleshly cravings, that it's going to cause you to lose your competition. You're not being tempered in all things. You're not being disciplined like an athlete, you're going to bed early when everyone else is going out and partying. 
You, you may feel the desire, you want the social contact, you want to go out and party, you want to go out and, and, and catch a buzz, but you know that you want to, to, to win the competition, you want to you wanna be the, the champion, and you know that you can't do things like that because you need to get your rest, and you need to wake up early so you can work out because you have the mind state of a champion. And Paul says that you as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that you need to live your life in that way, that you need to be disciplined, that you need to wake up in the morning and get in your Bible, that you need to wake up and, and get yourself into prayer. When we call for a time of fasting, you need to get into fasting to seek the Lord. You need to get to those prayer meetings and that Bible study, even when you don't feel like leaving the house, when you feel like just laying on the couch and watching TV, you need to say, no, I need to get up and I need to get dressed and I need to brush my teeth and brush my hair and get to church. And don't allow yourself to, to get caught up in your desires of your flesh because there is something that is way more important that you are competing for. He says that's how you're supposed to live as a Christian. You're supposed to live as a winner. Somebody say, I am a winner. Therefore, verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Nothing worse than running a race and taking a wrong turn. Not knowing where to go. So if you go to any race that's even a little bit well established, anywhere where there's crossroads, they'll have it marked, they'll have a person there, they'll have a car there telling you where to go because there's nothing worse than running a race as hard as you can and, and realizing that you went the wrong way and having to turn around and, and come back. When I was in the Army, they had a, they had a competition that had a couple different um, a couple different disciplines in it, but one of it was we had to do a 12-mile um, road march, and the, the course wasn't marked. We simply had a map and a compass. And so we were hustling. There was a group of three of us, and we were like, we're going to win this thing. And we have these heavy, you know, these heavy packs on our back. We have our weapons, our ammo, everything. It's heavy, but we're jogging because we're going to win. And uh, my platoon sergeant is the one who's got the map and the compass. And we realized that he took us totally in the wrong direction. So we weren't winning anymore, and I was totally exhausted in the woods because I had poured out all my energy, and it was just so demoralizing to be off track. And so he, he's saying that, that I, I don't run with uncertainty. I, I know where I'm going. And then he, he talks about fighting. He says that, that, that I'm not fighting as one who beats the air. What does that mean? If you've ever seen like, you know, and this, this type of fighting usually happens outside of bars at late nights and you get guys who are all drunk and they have beer muscles and they get into a fight and they just start swinging like crazy, you know, just throwing these like haymakers. Well, you don't realize like if you've never like been in a fight that throwing those punches takes a lot of energy. And you can, you know, you've only got a couple real good ones in you. So like 
if you punch, you, you wait. You watch boxers. They wait. They wait. They wait. They wait. They wait. They open it up with a jab, then boom, right? They're not just punching like crazy. Any of you guys saw that, uh, if you watched that movie, um, Big George Foreman, or maybe you saw the actual fight, you know, that's what Muhammad Ali did. He just kept taking shots from George Foreman, and by the time, you know, George got to the end, man, there wasn't much gas behind them punches. He couldn't keep his hands up to, to defend himself, and then, you know, Ali went to town on him. So Paul says, like, I don't, I don't fight like that. I fight, but I don't fight as somebody who beats the air. I'm going to make every shot count. We're going to get a little bit more into that, but let's go to verse 27. It says, I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. If an athlete does not play by the rules of the game, no matter how good their performances are, then they can become disqualified. How many people, I, I worked for the post office for like 18 years. So the post office literally spent millions of dollars sponsoring Lance Armstrong. If you know anything about him, he was this celebrated guy, toured the France, bike riding guy. You know, he came back from cancer and all this, and he would win all these races. The problem is, is he was hopped up on testosterone and EPO the, the whole time doing tons of drugs, he just had enough money, I guess probably from the post office sponsorship that, you know, and lived strong and all this, and, and so he had the best drugs to, to cover it, and he denied, they, they, there was rumors saying, hey, you know, th this guy's on drugs, and he said, no, I I'm not on drugs, totally all natural, and now he went from, you know, being this this comeback story and this super athlete to somebody who is disqualified. Barry Bonds, former pirate, you know, but then, you know, he got up there and he was cranking out home runs. Boom, boom, cranking out the home runs, no problem. But everybody knew that something was wrong when his hat size went from like a six and a half to like a ten and a half. Like, what happened with this dude? Like, and they found out, you know, all, it all came out, all the drugs he was on. So even though he was this home run king, he actually became disqualified because anytime you talk about the home runs, people just want to talk about the steroids. And we can talk about Christian leaders who have done amazing things and built big churches but stuff came out about them, and now their whole credibility is gone. They did a whole—they've done numerous TV shows on Hillsong. When I was in New York City, they said that less than 5% of that entire population even goes to church. Hillsong, New York City was a phenomenon. When we went by, we were leaving. You were there. There were people waiting outside the door to get into that church. I mean, he built an amazing church. But then it came out that, you know, he was sleeping with his maid and, I don't know, a bunch of other random people, people in the congregation and everything else. And there's all these disheartened people. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, God uses imperfect people. So it's not like, you know, the, the mistakes that, that he made, like, 
it doesn't mean that everything he ever taught or everything that he said was fake. It, it, it wasn't. He just had a problem that he didn't deal with. But because he had this problem he didn't deal with, the secular world will take the, the heroes of the Christian faith and lift them up and be like, look, see this guy? Yeah, he's supposed to be all about Jesus. But yeah, he's cheating on his wife. He's having all these affairs. Guys like... Uh, Bishop Eddie Long, I remember when I first started, uh, became a pastor, this guy was huge. He had this huge congregation, uh, I think in Atlanta, 5,000 people. I mean, powerful, anointed messages. I used to listen to him in my earbuds uh, again and again and again, and it came out that, that, that he had this problem. And so everything that he had was tore down to the ground. And Paul said, I'm, I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to bring my flesh into subjection so that when I preach to other people, it's not, I'm not disqualified. And you need to watch that you're not telling people about Jesus, but you're living a totally false way because you're not denying your flesh because you have no credibility. And right now the church has a credibility problem because people want to point out your flaws. And you got to watch your testimony to the outside world. And Paul said, you know, there's, there, my flesh wants things that aren't good for me. My flesh wants things that aren't part of a good Christian testimonial. But you know what? I'm going to bring my flesh under control. I'm going to bring it in subjection so that when I preach to other people, I won't be disqualified. So far, life is like that of a race, and we're going to run our race as one who is going to win the prize. What does that mean to us practically for this year, 2024, coming up? I, I take our application from verse 26 that says, I run this not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. It is important for you in this year to seek the Lord for a clear vision of where you want to go in your life. Because you don't want to run with uncertainty. The road to, the road to anywhere is nowhere, right? If, I, if I'm just going to be drifting along and just sailing, that's not a good use of your time. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, hey, whatever the Lord wants, I'm just going to bounce along the road. No, you need to seek the Lord and say, Lord, What's my race? Where do, I, wh where do I need to run? And then I need to take that and I need to actually write it down. You need to write down the vision that God has for your life over the next year. What are the things that you need to get better on? What are the things that you're slacking on? What does God truly want you to do? You need to make it and write it down so that each and every week you can actually look at that stuff and it's not some dumb New Year's resolution that you told somebody about but you never went back to do it. No, you're going back and you're, you're, you're looking at it and you're reading it each and every day and saying, how am I coming along with, with, with my vision because I, I don't want to run my race with uncertainty. I need to have a, a clear path. I need to have a straight path that, that, that's laid out because when I have a clear vision of where I want to go, then, then I can run towards it. I know what I need to do, and I know what I don't need to do. I need 
I, I, I need to know the people who I need to seek out and the people who I need to be around. And I need the people that I do not need to be around. Many of us, the, the, the benefit of a vision is because it's going to enable you to go ahead and cut some people out of your life that are leading you down a negative path and leading you down a negative place. And if you're going to run your race as one who wins the prize, you got to understand that not everyone can go where God is taking you. And you have to be mature enough in your life to say, you know what, I love you very much, you're my friend, but I need to do some things for God and you and I just aren't tracking anymore. If you're not living your life for God, then we're, we got different mind states. Yes, I can still love you. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. Our lives are just going different directions. You can come along with me if you want to give your life to the Lord, but I'm not going to allow you to pull me over here because I, I, I got a race to win because I'm a winner because there's a prize for me that I need to, that, that I need to get. I love this passage from the book of Habakkuk. If we, if we look at um, what the Apostle Paul says, he said, I, I, I run thus not with uncertainty. And in chapter 2, the prophet's communicating with God, and, and it says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That, that makes sure that it's plain, make sure that it's written down, because once you have it written down and it's plain, now I can run with the vision. And it says in verse 3, it says, the vision is for yet an appointed time. Like, that's not what tomorrow is, but this is where my future, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm running. I might not be where I need to be, but, but I know where I'm going to. So I'm, I'm running on this path. It says, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. All the people who say that you're never going to do it, that you can't do it, that, you know, they, their cousin tried it and it didn't work for them. Guess what? You don't have to defend yourself. You just have to hold tight to the robe of God, get a vision and a revelation for, for, for your life, and follow that out. And guess what? In the end, your vision will speak for you. Amen. Amen. And it says, though it tarries, wait for it. Might not come overnight, but if God gave you a dream, it's going to happen. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. I want to run a clear path. I want to have a vision. I want to have a vision from God. Because, see, ultimately, you can do a lot of stuff in your life that will be successful in the eyes of the world. You can do a lot of stuff. Athletes, you know, Super Bowl trophies, Super Bowl rings you know, uh, medals, all this stuff, movie stars give themselves Oscars and, and awards, rock stars give themselves MTV and, and Grammy awards and all this. So they compete for a crown, but 
but that award is, is perishing. But the difference between us and them is we compete for a crown that will never perish. We, we are competing for a crown that, that is in eternity because at the end of all of our lives, we all will be judged. Now, if we're in Christ, the judgment isn't about our sin. If we've given our lives to Christ, it's our sin's been washed away. But there is a judgment to say, how did you live your life? The vision that I gave you, the, the things that I asked for you to do, what did you do with that? If, if our lifetime, if our life is a gift from God, then what we do with it is our gift back to Him. We stand before the Lord, and in the book of Revelation it says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord, for they rest for their labors, and their works follow them. Their works follow them. The things that you do for the Lord last for eternity. The things that you do for yourself, the things you do out of selfish ambition, the things you do out of worldly desires and all that, that's going to be burn up. But there's going to be some things that you pursue for the Lord with all your heart, and that's going to remain, and that's when you're going to go into heaven. And don't you want some crowns to lay down at his feet? That's all that's going to matter in that moment, in that moment. That's why, that's why it says to teach us to number our days so, so, so that I can be wise, so that I can be a heart of wisdom, to live for that moment, to live for that place of eternity, to say that, okay, like, I'm going to stand before the Lord and, and I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. What will be your reward in eternity? And you say, well, I don't know. I haven't done that great thus far. Praise God. We got a new year. Amen? Amen. Run your race. Run your race. Run your race. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, the first thing I want to do is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Are there some things that you just got to get cleaned up? Is there things that he's been telling you to do that you just haven't done? You just kind of put it off? Is there a dream that you're just scared to tell people because it just seems so wild? Thank you, Lord. And as we go into the new year, we talk about the, that man is appointed for one to die. There's an appointment somewhere in the future. It may be many, many years from now. It might be right around the corner. But we're going to stand before the Lord and you can either plead the blood of Jesus to cover your sins or you can go to the Lord with your sins. And if you go to the Lord with your sins, then the Bible says the wages of sin is death. 
And the punishment for that is eternal separation from God. There's only one way to have your sins forgiven. There's only one way to get to the Father. There's only one way to heaven. There's not many paths to heaven. There's not many gods. There's not many. There's only one. There's only one Savior who came to earth, lived the life that, that, that we could not live, and died the death that we should have died. And his name is Jesus. If there was more than one way to heaven, why would Jesus have to die? Anyone who says there's more than one way to heaven, you're saying that Jesus died for no reason. But Jesus died because he loves you. To show his love on that cross, dying in your, in your place for your sins. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you go to judgment, your judgment will be the measure of reward that you will get. That's it. So if you're here today, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And going into this new year, you say, you know what? I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. You can just stick a hand up right now and say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here today before we close? Amen. If we could all stand to our feet today. If you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. You are a winner. You are. You are. Yeah, you might have took some shots. You might have made some mistakes. You might have did some things that maybe you weren't supposed to do. But guess what? You are a winner. The difference between winners and, and losers the difference between champions and people that never become champions is not the fact that they don't ever get knocked down. Everybody gets knocked down. Everybody goes down every once in a while. But the measure of a champion, the measure of a winner is do you get back up? No matter if you're hurting, no matter if you're in pain, no matter how you feel, no matter what people say about you, that you get up and say, you know what, I'm still running. I might have tripped and fell and skimmed my knee. I might have been laying on the side of the road for a little bit feeling bad for myself. I might have got off on the wrong path. But you know what, I'm getting on the right path. That's the blessing of a new year. Get after it. Get after it. Get after it. God's called you for greater things. God's called you for greater things. It's not somebody outside. It's not the lack of money. It's not the situations that happened to you. The only thing that's holding you back from what God's dream is for you is the lies that you keep telling yourself. I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. I messed up too much. 
I'm messed up, I'm an addict, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. Guess what? The Bible says that you're loved. The Bible says that you're blessed. The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror through Christ. The Bible says that you can do all things through Christ. The Bible says that he will never leave you or forsake you. And the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. So if God be for you, who can be against you? Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, and we thank you for a new year. Lord, I thank you that this is going to be the best year that we ever had. Lord, I thank you for breakthroughs in every area. I thank you for turnarounds. I thank you for comebacks. Lord, and I thank you that people in here, they're, they're, they're going straight to the top. They're getting on the path, and they're running with certainty. They're running as those who are going to win the prize. Lord, we give you glory and we give you honor, Lord. We thank you that you're there to run the race with us. We thank you, Lord, that, 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 that you loved us while we were still sinners. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that are new every morning. And we're running towards that in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 Worship team, they're going to bring us out 9 o'clock tonight. Greater things. Greater things. Well, you know what? I don't really go out for New Year's. I mean, I just kind of stay in. You know, I'm tired. I usually go to bed at 8.30. Suck it up, buttercup. Get a Red Bull. Get a cup of coffee. Be here, and you're going to have a great night. Love you guys.